and welcome to X-Men Unraveled. I'm your host, Noelle, and in this podcast, I cover the stories of the X-Men in chronological order. Today, I'm covering the stories that lead up to 1963, the year the first X-Men comic was published. After that, we fall into the confusing Marvel sliding timescale, but we'll deal with that when we get to it. There will be one more episode before then, so right now the stories are still taking place in the early 1960s, mainly focusing around Logan. But we will meet another future X-Men along the way today as well. I will note that there is a comic series that I am skipping in Logan's story. It's First X-Men, and it's a fun read, but also a retcon, so it doesn't fit well in the timeline. In that story, Logan tries to put together a proto-X-Men team. He recruits Sabretooth, Professor X, and Magneto, and it's basically an attempt to recenter the X-Men history around Logan in the same way that the movies do. I'd say it's worth a read on its own, but I don't feel like it fits in the timeline at all, so I'm not covering it while I go over Logan's past. Instead, today I'm going to cover Logan's time with Team X and his first encounter with the villain Omega Red. Before I start, though, I have to mention two other podcasts, Talkin' Snicked and Grey Malkin Lane. I got to be a guest on both of these awesome pods. On Talkin' Snicked, I got to discuss an episode of the X-Men animated series from the 90s, The Unstoppable Juggernaut, which was so fun. I absolutely love that show, even all these years later. And also the host, Ryan, and I ranked what we thought would be the best mutant powers. So go check out Talkin' Snicked, all the episodes, not just that one, especially if you have fond memories of the cartoon like I do. He has a whole Saturday morning Snicktoon series and lots more episodes about Wolverine. Also, I got to guest on an episode of Grey Malkin Lane for a trial of Wanda Maximoff. The host, Chad, moderated as a few jurors discussed her actions and how bad they are or are not. It was an absolute blast, so go give it a listen. Wanda is a complicated character who's done some questionable things during the course of her life. But she's a character that I absolutely love, so I had a hard time judging her, but I did try to be fair and objective, and I was actually more harsh than I intended to be. Again, the podcasts are Talkin' Snicked and Grey Malkin Lane, great podcasts by awesome people, so pause this and go subscribe and listen if you've not done so already. I've met some really amazing people through this podcast, so do me a favor and go support them as well if you're not already doing so. Alright, let's get started with Logan's time with Team X. Last time we left Logan, he had abandoned his girlfriend and allies in San Francisco's Chinatown. He didn't want the responsibility of taking on the mantle of the Black Dragon, so he went back off again, alone. After that, Logan ends up recruited for a group known as Team X. Logan's timeline in general starts getting pretty complicated from here on, more than it's already been. His stories are kind of a jumble because they're told sporadically in the comics as he either experiences flashbacks or regains certain memories. That means we don't see exactly when, how, or who recruited him to Team X. Also, many of the comics are not available on Marvel Unlimited, probably I'm guessing due to concerns over continuity, 
So I used a combination of available comics and Marvel Wiki information to put this piece together. But let's go over what Team X is all about. It's a black ops team put together through a joint effort between the CIA and Weapons Plus program. They recruited a small number of mutants for the team and sent them on various missions around the world. Their missions are heavily tied to Cold War geopolitics. It's the early 60s. I gave an overview of Weapons Plus in an earlier episode, but here's a quick recap. At the end of World War II, a man named Truett Hudson discovered the remains of Mr. Sinister's experiments at Auschwitz. Hudson kept the information and used it to establish Weapons Plus, which was a program focusing on mutants and experiments on mutants. He's kind of a Mr. Sinister light in that way. Weapons Plus developed several projects, with one of them being the later addition of adamantium to Wolverine's skeleton, but that won't happen for a while yet. Another factor in Logan's Team X recruitment is Romulus. I've casually mentioned him in several Wolverine episodes, but I think I have to finally deal with who he is. Honestly, it's a little complicated, and I've been putting it off as best as I could. But Logan has worked for Romulus for a while by this point. If you remember the Black Widow stories, Romulus was the one who sent Logan to work for and deal with Taurus Romanov, Black Widow's adopted father. So who the hell is Romulus? According to him, he has existed since the early days of the Roman Empire. He has said that he is a member of a race known as the Lupines, who evolved from canines rather than apes. He supposedly served as an emperor of Rome at some point, and then faded into the shadows. Romulus has a brother named Remus, because they are inspired by the mythical Romans of the same names. Remus, at some point in the comics, debunks Romulus's Lupine claim. So, most likely, Romulus is a mutant himself, with powers including prolonged lifespan, superhuman strength, and a healing factor. He also has claws similar to Wolverine and elongated fangs. At some point, Romulus became aware of Logan's existence and became obsessed with Logan's bloodline, and he seems to have followed him to try and create his own Wolverine-like super-soldier. Logan is in the dark about who Romulus is and what his motives are for most of his life, only learning much later on that Romulus influenced numerous events in Logan's own life. Romulus's influence seems to be what most likely led to Logan's joining Team X and the eventual Weapon X program that adhered adamantium to Logan's skeleton. But for now, Romulus will stay in the background of Logan's life, pulling the strings, but later on down the road, Romulus will be central to the events in Logan's life. So, through the scheming of Romulus and the Weapons Plus program, the CIA recruits Logan to join Team X. Five other mutants are recruited to the team as well. The first is Logan's longtime enemy, Victor Creed, or Sabretooth, which obviously doesn't make Logan very happy. X-Men Origins Sabretooth shows how well their first interaction on the team went. They're both in the CIA offices finalizing their recruitment. When Logan spots Creed, he immediately goes after him and punches him in the face. They start fighting, and a nearby agent says, good thing we were planning on wiping their memories, because obviously there's no way these two could work together. And that was my other problem with the first X-Men series, is Logan just shows up recruiting Sabretooth. There is no point in their history that those two were getting along well enough to just work together. So this is a good explanation. <laughs> to get these two in the same room without killing each other, you have to wipe their minds. 
And up until this point, Logan has forgotten traumatic memories because his mind basically tries to heal from them, and what it does is just forget them. But the CIA and Weapons Plus intentionally erased or altered memories of all the Team X members. The next mutant on the team is Christoph Nord, who went by Maverick. He is a mutant with kinetic absorption powers. He was born in East Germany, and there he fell in love with and married a woman who turned out to be a Soviet spy. He finds out, they get in a fight, and he kills her. She was coming at him with a knife, so self-defense. Nord then changed his name to David North and started working for the German underground, trying to end the communist control of East Germany, which resulted from the end of World War II. North was then recruited into Team X by the CIA, and he joined Logan and Sabretooth on the team. He actually had his own comic series at one point, but it only lasted for 13 issues. Um, but aside from Logan and Creed, he's the team member we know the most about from various comics, including his own. Next up is John Wraith, called Kestrel, who has the ability to teleport. When he joined the team, he tried to keep his ability secret until he finally had to use it in front of them to escape an enemy. There's not much information about John Wraith's life before Team X, which does make sense for a man with the last name Wraith. Another team member is Mastodon, who has superhuman strength and reflexes. He is, from what I could find, the least covered of the mutants on the team, so there's no information about his life before Team X, not even his real name. There's barely any information about him after that either. The last member is Silver Fox. And this is probably not the same Silver Fox that we met in earlier episodes, but it's confusing, and this one is at least someone who is using the name and dressed in Native American clothing, or some attempt at Native American clothing would be more accurate. I was thinking about it, and I guess it's possible that Romulus created a clone or something of the original Silver Fox because he had been following Wolverine's life long enough to know about her. But honestly, there is not much rhyme or reason to this Silver Fox in the Team X stories, so who she is is really a mystery. She also doesn't show up in the stories I'm covering today, so I won't worry about it too much, except to say that I still want more stories of the real Silver Fox. Team X goes on numerous missions around the world, not all of which have much backstory or explanation, or show up on Marvel Unlimited, but the most important story about Team X is probably their encounter with Omega Red in 1963. Omega Red is honestly a pretty scary dude. He's a giant guy with pale gray skin, bright red eyes, and he usually has long blonde hair pulled up in a ponytail. Might be the least scary thing about him. Uh, but he also has two metal tentacles that come from each arm and is usually dressed in a red and white outfit. Not really somebody you want to run into anywhere. So Omega Red started out life as a young boy in the Soviet Union named Arkady Grigorievich Rosevich. His mutant powers emerged while he was still young, and they're described as a death factor. And this means that his body emits lethal pheromones that are sometimes called death spores that weaken and kill anyone they come into contact with. And if Rosevich does not expel the pheromones from his body, they will start to affect him and he'll suffer the same symptoms. 
but he can also use these powers to drain the life of others to kill them or heal from his own wounds, even very major ones. He also has superhuman strength, stamina, and reflexes. When his powers first manifested, Arkady didn't understand what was happening, but he started to use them on animals he found near his home, and then he progressed to killing local beggars. He seemed to actually enjoy the act of murder and progressed to actively killing others violently, not just with his powers. Probably did use the powers to weaken them in the first place, but he was actively killing them. Arkady's brother, Vasily, saw what he was doing and turned him into the secret police for his violence. Vasily wasn't aware of Arkady's powers, but he saw that his brother was a violent killer. His whole family apparently was terrified of him, including his parents. What happened to Arkady Rosevich from there isn't told, but he later joined the Soviet army and ended up stationed in a remote outpost in Siberia. While there, he preyed on local children. In the Maverick series that I mentioned earlier, it said that Arkady raped and killed young girls. So, here's the thing about him. While Rosevich's powers are dangerous... He is also a violent killer in his own right. The effect of his powers on the development of his violent nature can be debated, but he's a dangerous individual. For his crimes at the outpost, Rosevich was sentenced to death. But from his powers, Arkady survives the execution. And the Soviet army realizes he could be useful as a subject in their super soldier program. But before the super soldier program goes into effect, Rosevich went on a killing spree in Europe, catching the attention of Interpol. One agent who took on the hunt for the killer was Sean Cassidy. Later on, he will be known as the X-Man Banshee. Cassidy was born in Ireland to a wealthy family and attended Trinity College in Dublin. He later joined Interpol and eventually ends up on the trail of Arkady Rosevich in Generation X numbers 10 to 11 from 1994. It's hard to say exactly when this story takes place. It has to be at least 1954 because the KGB gets involved and that's when that organization was established, but it could be as late as the very early 1960s. Like I said, we're getting to the point in the comics where years are less and less available and less relevant. But in the Generation X story, dead women are found in numerous places around Europe and Cassidy was determined to find the killer. He believes the murderer is a serial killer, but his superiors don't agree with him, and they take him off the case. They tell him that the killer might be trying to lure Cassidy in to kill him for taking on the investigation. But Cassidy keeps following the case on his own and finds the body of a murdered woman in Paris, and he knows he is close to finally discovering the murderer. But Interpol catches him at the crime scene, and he has to go on the run himself in order to continue his investigation. He jumps on a train to get away and falls asleep, but he's woken up by none other than Magneto, who is still going by his alias Eric Lenscher. He makes just a brief cameo here, so how he learned of the murders or their origin is not spelled out. But apparently Magneto has been helping Cassidy track down the killer because he knows the murderer is a mutant, and he believes that someone is using the mutant and contributing to the antagonism between mutants and humans. Magneto tells Cassidy to go home to Cassidy Keep in Ireland, and he will be able to find the killer there. Magneto wants the killer dead to end the murder spree and avoid any more human-mutant conflict. And then Magneto vanishes. 
Honestly, I don't know why Magneto just doesn't deal with this problem himself. He seems to have way more insight into what is going on than Cassidy does, and his powers would be pretty useful in taking care of the threat. But I guess he just wants to feel like a mysterious puppet master, which is a very Magneto thing to do. So, with Magneto's advice, Cassidy returns to Ireland, and at his estate he finds his Interpol supervisor, Magritte Devereaux, waiting for him. She tells him that after he escaped, the body of the woman from Paris was confiscated by Interpol and the coroner's report was sealed. And that convinced her that there is a serial killer and for some reason the crimes are being covered up. Cassidy tells her that someone is using the killer who is a mutant as a weapon. The two agents go into Cassidy Keep and they find Rosevich sitting on a wall taunting them. Rosevich screams down at them, Congratulations, Agent Cassidy, the chase is over and I am your prize. And Cassidy asks him why the murders are being covered up. And Rosevich is pretty open with the information. He tells Cassidy that the Soviet government lends him out as an assassin, and for his work, they protect his identity when he commits crimes. But Rosevich said that he's been leading Cassidy to find him so that Cassidy would kill him and end his servitude to the Soviet state. But Cassidy refuses. He says he will turn him in, but he's no assassin. So Rosevich sends his death spores against Agent Devereaux, killing her. And in anger, Cassidy shoots Rosevich, incapacitating him but not killing him. He then turned Rosevich into Interpol, but from there, Rosevich was returned to the KGB in the Soviet Union, where they were able to implement their super soldier plan. This will be the last time we see Sean Cassidy for a while, but let's keep going with Rosevich's story. The Russian super soldier program used Arkady Rosevich as one of their first projects. Their process was torturous, and it turned him into a dangerous weapon for the Soviet Union. His experience really is very similar to Wolverine and Weapon X. They used cybernetic implants that increased his strength and abilities, and then they attached retractable carbonadium tentacles to each of his arms. And these tentacles are also able to serve as a conduit for Rosevich's death factor, so if he grabs someone with them, he can drain the life from them. Carbonadium was a metal created by the Soviet Union to compete with adamantium. It's more malleable than adamantium, but nearly as strong and indestructible. But carbonadium is also radioactive, making it more dangerous to those Rosevich attacks. Its effects can even slow down healing factors like Logan's. The U.S. government actually conducts an experiment on Logan to test the effects of carbonadium while he's in Team X. They implant a small pellet of the metal on his body, and it slows his healing factor down enough to potentially kill him. But the radiation has a side effect for Rosevich as well. It weakens him through the constant contact, and the only way to counteract it is through a device called the carbonadium synthesizer. Without the synthesizer, Rosevich would need to drain the life out of victims in order to stave off the effects of the carbonadium. So draining life to keep himself alive. After the super soldier enhancements, Arkady Rosevich went by the codename Omega Red. And that is where Logan and Team X come in. This story is told in X-Men numbers 5-7 to from 1991 and retold in Wolverine Origins number 8. 
In the story, Team X members Logan, Sabretooth, and Maverick are sent to Berlin to retrieve a double agent, Janice Hollenbeck, along with the carbonadium synthesizer. The U.S. government knows about Omega Red and wants to neutralize him. But not much of their plan goes well. They get to the lab in Berlin where Hollenbeck works, and Omega Red is there as well. Sabretooth goes to take on Omega Red, Maverick goes to find Hollenbeck, and Logan goes after the carbonadium synthesizer. Sabretooth gets beaten up by Omega Red pretty easily, but Maverick and Logan are able to get Janice and the synthesizer. But by this time, the whole facility is alerted to their presence. They're trapped, guards are everywhere, and the only way out of the building is through a window tens of stories above the ground. The three mutants can all survive the fall, explained because of their battle armor, but Janice would not be able to. So Sabretooth goes ahead and shoots her in the back to deal with the loose end. Then he drags Logan and Maverick out of the window to escape before they can say what the fuck is wrong with you. But once they get back to report about their mission, Logan says that he lost the carbonadium synthesizer. What he really did was give it to Maverick for safekeeping. In Wolverine Origins, he says he wanted to use it against Victor Creed, but after his mind is wiped, it's decades later before he remembers it. This is different than the X-Men series, where Logan buried the carbonadium synthesizer with Janice Hollenbeck. So either one. It ends up gone for decades. But Omega Red knew exactly who took the synthesizer, and he goes after Logan and the others over the years trying to get it back. But after a time trying to survive without it and draining the life from others, it just isn't feasible for him to go on like that. He's probably eventually going to kill somebody that the government people care about, so they put Omega Red in suspended animation for decades. And it's probably the best place for the guy since he's been murdering people since he was a child. Not even because of his powers, just because he likes killing people. And that is it for Omega Red's story for now and Logan's time with Team X. There's not a whole lot of information about this specific period in Logan's life. And even though he's been a staple character in this podcast so far, we'll actually be leaving him behind for a while. Logan's story from here on out will happen parallel with those of the original X-Men, so I'll probably just be adding it in here and there to keep up until he joins the team later on. Next episode, I'm going to go over the early life of Aurora Monroe, who will become the X-Men Storm. I could not be more excited, so I can't wait to get into her story, at least the beginnings of it. Any chance to talk or read about Storm makes my day, so I'm excited. And then after that, we'll finally get to the formation of the X-Men, which will also be a lot of fun. I've been just so impatient to get there, so it's finally almost here. Thank you, as always, for listening. Tell your friends about the pod, and please rate and review to help others find it. And you can always check out my Instagram or Twitter at X-Men Unraveled. I post updates in both those places. And don't forget to check out Talkin' Snicked and Gray Malkin Lane. They're both great pods you don't want to be missing if you are an X-Men fan. And I know you are if you're listening to this. You just listened to an entire episode about the X-Men. So <laughs> thanks for joining and talk to you next time. 